Hi everyone, hope you're looking after yourselves. Welcome to another episode of Comics 101, where we dive into the world of fantasy and all things comic book related. So today's episode is really close and dear to my heart, and this is on Game of Thrones. And it's called Two Maesters with myself, Joshua Lola, and also with Morgan as well. And we're going to be talking through different topics about Game of Thrones, especially with the new episodes and the new series that's coming out in August. So I would like to introduce Morgan. So hi, Morgan. How's your day been today? Hey, hello, everyone. Morgan Harringman here. My day oh, has been pretty nasty. I've had this horrible cold and oh, no. <laughs> I've gone through probably a whole a whole roll of toilet paper, just keeping it dammed up. So yeah, very nice. Very good start to the middle <laughs> of the week. How's your day going, Joshua? Um, good thing. So, so me even myself, I've been having a bit of a cold. I think it's just like <laughs> all of the like the pollen in the air outside. It's just oh, yeah, maybe it's just late hay spring. Fever. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, true. Oh well, it's good we've got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I probably think before we continue i think we should probably start off by just saying there's going to be some spoilers people like lots of spoilers like if you are new to game of thrones uh or you're currently watching at the moment just be warned there's gonna be a lot of spoilers and um i have prepared for this just to give you a quick warning hopefully at the right time there we go so i'll try and do that at the right time but yeah probably not going to do that at the right time probably going to spoil things before that comes up so i think it'd probably be a good place to start about you know what the aim of this podcast is to talk about everything game of thrones and sort of the lead up to the spin-off tv show that's going to be coming out in August called House of the Dragon. And dude, am I so damn excited. Yeah. How, how excited are you feeling, Joshua? I'm really excited, especially because I've read the, the encyclopedia of the world oh, of, nice. of Game of Thrones, been reading about also the history as well, about the, the Targaryen legacy. And I think I really enjoy like reading the synopsis of this TV series because it's heavily linked to the books. And I think because now everything is written and everything's in stone, it's less likely for there to be any issues or delays or divergence <laughs> from the book. <laughs> cough, cough, cough. I'm not mentioning the last season. <laughs> yeah. So, so it should be really good. And I think because it's earlier on in like the, the Targaryen period, you have more dragons, so you're bound to see more, like more dragons, more fights between dragons, and also the fact that it is set in the past. You could also hear like people that's been mentioned throughout the series actually see yeah. them in person, which would also be good as well. Yeah, that that's true. You do hear about so in a TV show and the books, like lots of famous characters, like the Mad King Ares, Aegon the Conqueror. Oh, lots of lots of violence, lots of dragons, lots of incest. I mean, more of what the people want. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, I guess leading on from that, why are you into Game of Thrones, Josh? Me, I would say that the reason I'm really into Game of Thrones is I can probably link it to how I actually found out about Game of Thrones. And it's really weird because 
Mm-hmm. I was listening to like audiobooks of Lord of the Rings. I had j- just completed them. And then I was thinking to myself, is there any other like high fantasy or fantasy worlds that I could get listened to or even read into? So I was just looking on Wikipedia and this was in like 2009. And I just saw Game of, Thro- Game of Thrones and I was like, okay, then this looks pretty interesting. And then I saw, wait, it also has a TV series slated to come out soon as well. So then I basically read the first four books before the series yeah. came out. And then I was just hooked, especially the way that the books always kind of like they reduce the, the amount of power and also the influence that magic has in the world. Yeah. And focuses yeah, more on like the, the people. It focuses on the, the politics. It focuses on the families. You actually see like really strong in-depth characters who who get built up and and we're not going to mention names right now. But <laughs> spoiler alert! But well, we, we also... <laughs> can. I've, I've warned everyone. Like, it, it's it's inevitably going to happen, you know. Like, and I'm here just in case. Report yeah. spoilers. <laughs> the fact that you see that these characters lifted up and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just get killed, and you're like, "Oh my days! Oh my days! How could this just happen? I didn't I expect it to go this way." <laughs> But uh, it's such such like devilish surprises, and we all we all know the big big deaths. So season one, well, yeah. let's keep that a secret spoiler, shall we? But then the red wedding, Joffrey's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel awkward now if I'm going to say a spoiler. Like I've warned everyone, but now I don't want to. But let's let them flow out naturally. Um, yeah. And and even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. How many celebrations have people been killed in Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, actually, oh, I saw this great meme online that uh, this couple who are really into Game of Thrones were hosting their wedding and they had the reigns of Castamere play at their, at their wedding. And all the fans, all the guests who had watched Game of Thrones were in absolute hysterics. There might have been one who generally thought they were going to die, like just looking around <laughs> at, at the mezzanine floor, looking for any crossbow men ready to shoot their heart out. Uh, it, oh, just never know what's going to happen. Why would I be into like Game of Thrones? Well, for me, I was never really much of a natural reader when I was younger, to be honest. I, I remember reading a very silly book series called uh, Zombie Pants, Zom- Zombie Bums from Uranus. That was probably the silliest book I've ever read. But that's probably where I just started off getting into just books, really, from a very young age. Um, and like Game of Thrones to me, well, I started with the TV show first. Mm. Uh, I remember Sky Atlantic were like, there's this new show coming out, Game of Thrones. I was like, wow, that looks cool. It's a bit of fantasy. And, you know, I've always been a bit of a nerd. I've been into like Warhammer, Star Wars, Lord of Rings, but I'll be honest, I've never read the books. And to me, that really sort of like, oh, okay, I'll give it a watch. And like, just from the, the like first few episodes of the first season, I was like, oh my God, I need to show all my friends, get them all into it. I got like quite a fair few into it. And just want to say, I started watching Game of Thrones before it was cool. Not all of these like, Season three, season yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Saw it, the posters in the streets around North London, like, oh yeah, I gotta watch that. So that's that's sort of how I got into it, I guess. Why did I like get into it? Well, I think you, you picked up on it as well, Josh, that it's that sort of dark realism about it, mm. especially in the start of the series, in the books and the TV show, uh, that 
magic isn't really a thing at first. I mean, of course, you see, I mean, I watched the first episode of the first season yesterday and what I just said is somewhat contradictory because you do see the White Walkers literally decapitate a man in the beginning. So there's a bit of magic there. But that's pushed away to one side. You don't see wizards. You don't see dragons. You just see their bones uh, until much, much later in the first season. Mm. And even characters in the show doubt that magic exists. They know that dragons used to exist, but no one believes the White Walkers exist. And that sort of adds an element of realism because high fantasy, as you say, like Lord of the Rings. I, I like Lord of the Rings, but for me, it seems like another level, a sort of maybe too high up there compared to Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is gritty. It's down to where people get hurt, people die, like main characters get taken away from you, such as, nah, I'm not going to do it, don't worry. Almost got you there. Um, so it, that really appeals to me. Uh, and another thing is that, you know, that realism, it also somehow like reflect, reflects real life, the mortality of everyone, uh, anyone can get taken away, but also like some of the social issues that come up that you can see through different characters in it. So Aya is, you know, from the beginning described as a bit of a tomboy. Uh, she does not into the traditional girly things of the era. She wants to be like a soldier, like be a fighter, but she struggles against like dad wants her to be a princess, get married off. Mm. And then you've got other things like how the Dornish military in it. You could argue there's like elements of racism in it and there's homophobia of what happens with Loris Terrell. Mm, that's not a spoiler. I'll keep that, keep that under wraps. You know, that really sort of, I, I like that. It makes it more realistic and down to earth. And I feel like there's a trend in a lot of cinema these days to make things dark. Like, for example, look at the reinvention of the Batman series under Christopher Nolan. Like, holy crow, was that dark? Like, that was amazing. Uh, it, and, you know, the thing I like the most about the books is it's a character driven story. Yeah. Like, you, you get these amazing character arcs in it. So, for example, Jamie Lannister is an absolute asshole in the beginning of the show. Like, I'm rewatching the first episode yesterday. Just the way he acts, he's so like chatty, like real Chad energy. Uh, and you see throughout the entire series, there's this complete transition where he goes from being zero to hero. And no, I really like that. It's kind of reflects real life in some ways. That there's, there's shades of grey. There's there's yeah. no, ne not necessarily any black and white. No one's too good and no one's too bad you know uh and it's it's just really uh really realistic in that sense i guess despite it being a fantasy novel yeah yeah and i, I would agree what you're saying morgan the fact that you sometimes like watch like stuff in star wars and you or lord of the rings and you're like wait a second no one would actually do that in real life like for example like when Gandalf is like, oh, uh, Frodo, you need to take the ring into Mount Doom and it's going to be so much treachery. Most people will be like, sod off, keep your ring. I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> or flying and, with those eagles. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you do kind of like see like how normal people would react to situations in Game of Thrones. And I think that's the what you were saying with the realism is that the way that people act in Game of Thrones is what you can guess or see what people would say and act like in real life. And I think like the many different like struggles that all the characters go through, like mm. you, you see some people like try and take the high road, but then you also see people who take like, 
a middle or low road and you see how you anyone can say, you know what, I would have done what Arya did. I would have done what John did. I would have done what Daenerys did or what Cersei did. And yeah. you can actually relate to the characters more because you're like, they're human. They make mistakes. They do things exactly. that are wrong. And if I was in that situation, am I sure I wouldn't do what they did? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can put yourself in that shoes. And uh, if you, from reading the the books as well, uh, George R. R. Martin, he writes, I think he writes from the first person in it. Does he write from the first person? I think, I think so. Because you hear the character's thoughts. So, uh, it's been a long time since I've read the books, to be honest. And I did not read the first a Song of Fire and Ice book, A Game of Thrones, because I'd already seen the show. But I did read all the others and the spin-offs. Um, but yeah, you do feel like you're in their shoes. And there's some characters that like just really, really, really feel something for. And yeah. yeah. I guess I've gotta I've gotta find out, Josh, who is your favorite character in the show? I would say like my favorite character in the show is like Stannis Baratheon, but it's like partly from the show and then partly from the books. Yeah. Like there's like a key point that that both of them divert from each other. So so I'll start off. The reason why I like Stannis is because I think he gets like the raw end of the of the stick every time throughout his his whole life. So like, yeah, he's such a yeah. Go on, go on. No, 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 you can go. I was just going to say he is a very salty character. He's very bitter. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And like, like reading from the books, you actually find out that them him his brother robert and also his brother renly their both parents passed away and like on a on a boat trip i think they went out to they might have gone to essos and they or bravos and were coming back and then their ship sank so he he lost both his parents wow then, bro spoilers man spoilers <laughs> holy cow <laughs> came out of the blue although they're not even really major participants in the mm. show so we'll let that one slide Okay, so what I'm about to say now is really, really major spoilers. So if you oh, don't want to no. hear, please, please skip out this part. Report spoilers. <laughs> okay, go on. So like, after after the rebellion and Robert actually wins and becomes king, he gives the um, the Stormlands to his youngest brother Renly. When in fact it should go to Stannis because he's the second eldest. So he oh, gets he gets he gets cool. walked over on there, and then. When it comes to finding out that all of the children that Cersei has with Robert are bastards and aren't actually Robert's children, <gasps> the throne really should go to Stannis. This is but then, scandalous. But then Renly then walks in and says, no, but but I'm the most popular. People want me to be king. That Nobody likes you, Stannis, so, <laughs> so I'm going to be king. And I think you just get to see like in his character that a person who's firm and stubborn, but then you like see in the end that he starts to change who he is trying to become a man that he wants to be. And I think that really ends and damages his character. And like, this is a really, really big spoiler for anyone who, who's going to watch the show and hasn't watched beyond season six, like the whole part where he like um, burns and sacrifices his daughter oh, just to be God, like, that, that was one of the hardest bits to watch just, in the whole show. Just to be like, and I think the main issue with Stannis is that he wants to be a, a king so he can, be just and be and be the best king that the the Westeros can have. So he mm. he puts it that nothing will put go be go further will stop me from reaching that. So not his children, mm-hmm. not his brother who he ends up killing, not not innocent people. 
So anyone who gets in his way from becoming king, he then cuts out and kills. But the main reason I really like Stannis is his part in the book. Yeah. I think like in the last bit in the book is the, when he does get betrayed by the, the Karstarks, he actually finds out beforehand. So what happens is that in the books, he, he, he does get betrayed and realizes that the Karstarks are going to betray him to the, to the Boltons. Yeah, yeah. But then in Damn the books, guys. he finds out beforehand. So we don't know what actually happens to him. But in the TV show, he doesn't find out beforehand and then ends up losing and then ends up getting killed by, by Brian of Tarth because she had sworn to protect Renly, who was then killed by Stannis. So that's the reason why I... Stannis is one of my favorite characters. One, as you said, his saltiness and also his, <laughs> his, his legendary stubbornness. Ass. His legendary stubbornness. And the fact that he's like, I stick to the rules no matter what. I stick to the rules. Uh, Josh, don't lie. You know, you and Jeffrey obviously have that kind of relationship. Like the drop the mic crown should have gone to you, but it went to Jeffrey, you know. And I know you'll always be bitter and salty because of that. <laughs> They're brothers, by the way, in case anyone didn't know, to our millions of listeners out there for I just say that. I, I, yeah, I, I do agree with you. Stannis is a very interesting character. Like, he is so bitter. He's so resentful about being passed up so many times by, like, yeah. his brothers. And, like, uh, in the book, as you say, like, one of the things that George R. R. Martin, like, characterized about him is he's constantly grinding his TV, constantly has this locked jaw, um, and you know, you really feel that, that, that bitterness in him. Uh, another thing I thought was cool about him is he's harsh, but fair. Mm. Like he, for example, the onion Knights, the Davos Seaworthy, his story with, um, Stannis is during the siege of Storm's End when Stannis was, uh, besieged within Storm's End Castle. Uh, the onion Knight was a smuggler and he smuggled in, Lots of foods, including onions, hence where he got his name. And you know what Stannis did? He chopped off his fingers because that's what happens to smugglers in the Seven Kingdoms. He was, thank you, but I'm hard but fair. And you know what? I think a, a medieval style world like Westeros probably needs like a hard but fair ruler like that. Mm. And this is something we'll pick up on in future episodes. It's sort of like the historical basis for this show because you can see so many references to medieval Europe, but also East, uh, sort of Orientalist themes about like the Eastern continent in this, Essos. Really, really good stuff. My favorite character, I would say, is going to have to be the most mainstream choice of all, Tyrion Lannister, because <laughs> he is an absolute babe. Like, come on, he is the, the wittiest, smartest character in the show. And from the very start, you you know, you have like sort of sympathy and maybe even empathy for him because he is constantly put down for his dwarfism by his family, by the world around him, by these horrible jokes that they call him the imp, which he doesn't like. Um, but he owns it. He, one yeah. thing he says in t- to Jon Snow uh, in the first episode of the first series is, you're a bastard, I'm a cripple. Wear it like a badge of honor so that way no one can ever hurt you. You know, and that's really inspiring stuff, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's just such a great character throughout the show. And you get so much screen time. He deserves it. Uh, and again, my memory's a bit hazy from the books, but in the books, he even kicks ass 
pretty badly in battle, uh, despite despite his uh, stature. I think on a side note here, because I I did say this when we were talking when we were planning the production of the show, I, I did initially say that Tywin Lannister is my favorite character because he's he's just he's the badass Machiavellian character that is the real Dick Cheney behind the George Bush. You know, he's got he's got uh, the Iron Throne on a string basically because he has all the money. He knows how to politic and go in with the world. And the Charles Dance, what, what a great character, honestly, um, a great actor. It just goes to show that you populate a show with really great British actors, you're going to yeah. get some yeah. of the best, yeah. best people out there. Just wrapping a bit of British talent there, although Tyrion Baratheon, Tyrion, Baratheon, Tyrion Lannister, the character that plays him, I believe is Canadian. So, yeah, you know, it's not, not all about the Brits. It's not all about us. Yeah. Big, big characters there. Yeah. And I guess we can't talk about these characters without talking about, like, the houses, you know, as well. Like, House Lannister is the richest house in the show. They're the Westerman from, if you can see on the map I've cleverly put behind me, but I can't seem to point out that's where the Lannisters from roughly around there. Probably going to get a lot of hate mail from people, I reckon, because we've probably said some inaccurate <laughs> stuff already in this show. But yeah, feel free to send your hate mail to us. We'll we'll listen to it and try and correct it at some point. <laughs> who who would you say your favorite house is? I would say like my favorite house would be stereotypical, <laughs> be the Starks, just ah. because like the amount of stuff that they go through, like. And I think like the Starks are like the, in the books, it's written as if the Starks are like the main characters. And like you you have like chapters, I think you've got chapters on all of them apart from Bran, because I think maybe because he was just too, too young. Really? Not, not hang Bran. On, oh, hang on. No, not Bran. He, his younger brother. Who's the youngest brother again? Uh, Rickon, yeah. Rickon, yes. Yeah. So the, you had chapters on all Who of them apart from, about Rickon? apart from Rickon. <laughs> <laughs> and it just shows that the show doesn't but, but having him just at the end the, the <laughs> second to last season getting getting shot in the back by by Ramsey Bolton yeah but, he should have why didn't he run in zigzag someone's firing a boat you just run in zigzags dude like come on give yourself a chance poor fella and the, fact, and the fact that the amount of stuff that they go through and I think you also see how they like develop so you see like Sansa goes from this whole oh I'm a princess type person to turning into almost like a, a, a little finger type person when she betrays him. And then she also realizes how much power she has, especially with her connection with the, the Aaron family, which she, she then used to get rid of Littlefinger. And I also think yeah. like, you see like the development of like, of Arya Stark as well, from this tomboyish girl who, who tries to do good, but who then turns into this, ultimate avenger who's oh, like who's like any assassin, like, yeah. who'd put like the marvel's punisher to shame with the amount of people but she ends up killing it in the last three seasons of game of thrones you also like see yeah you get some good like, revenge as well there definitely yes especially revenge for the red wedding <laughs> and i think like definitely definitely spoilers for that <laughs> one and that you also see with like john you see that 
he's just as green as Arya. And you see that when he goes to the wall, he he yeah. all, all he wants to do is like wallow in self-pity that, oh, as you said, that he's a bastard and, and unfortunately yeah. he won't be able to spend life with the rest of his family. And that he kind of like owns it and then being able to then turn that into becoming the becoming a major point and major figure in Westeros and also being in charge of the, oh my days, what are they called again? Night's Watch. Yep, they're becoming the head of the Night's Watch and actually leading them as well. And the fact that he also le- led them into battle against the, the White Walkers and actually led them successfully into battle. And then you see that how he grows as a character. And also then you can't also forget Bran and his story arc and the fact that <laughs> he his, tells his, the his, best his... stories that's that's the best bit about brad <laughs> he tells the best stories and that's why he, he should be king and the fact that he has the most weirdest story arc in the whole yeah um, or whole of game of thrones the fact that he's gone from this child who becomes crippled after being pushed out of a window spoilers mm. by, by jamie <laughs> i've given up he's... on it <laughs> By Jamie because he sees Jamie and Cersei having an affair together. Oh, he then incest. Then survives an assassination attempt later on in season one and in Did the first went, book. Went, oh yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah he does. Someone yeah, comes yeah. to try and try and kill him in his sleep. And then I think that's when um, the, dog, the dog, the dog. There's yeah, the wolf, wolf, the wolf, the dire wolf a, saves him. And then also his mother as well. She basically Catelyn Stark. Holds oh, the blade yeah. with with her hand and literally slits her hand because she's trying to keep him him safe. And then you see Ooh. his journey, the fact that Winterfell falls because of the the uh, the Iron Men, and then also because of Ramsay Bolton as well. And you see them having to let him go to then become the Three Yard Raven, and then him then also pulling the strings to then help to bring down the the King of the White Walkers. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, can I just say, man, you just completely spoiled that I think about half the show for our viewers out there. And you know what? We don't care. We don't care. That's not what this podcast is about. But yeah, you know what? There is a lot of cat. There's so many character arcs there. Sansa going from like this powerless, naive individual to coming this powerful, like queen of the North in the end. You know, what a great transition. Uh, and Got a point out here with Bran as well. The fact that he becomes king of Westeros yeah. uh, at the end of the TV show. God awful. God awful. Like, <laughs> who should we pick as the king? Oh, I know. Let's pick Bran because he tells the best stories. Dude, like, come on. Uh, so many people out there tell tells the best stories. Like, come on. George R. R. Martin tells the best stories. Let's make him king of the UK, the United Kingdom. Like, such a silly reason, um, and and even the fact that John, it's his throne, kind of like by right, because the yeah. fact that that he is a Targaryen, and the fact that they actually his father did get actually married before before he then went on to fight Robert Baratheon, yeah, and Rhaeg, yeah, so his father Rhaegar was actually destined to be king, him being the son of Rhaegar and a Targaryen, and there's no Baratheons left. <laughs> Technically, the throne should directly go to to, to John, but as you said, <laughs> they they pick someone who has the most interesting stories to be to be. King of the <laughs> yeah, that'll keep people entertained for like maybe a year or so. And like, okay, now we need like fear actually keeps this place in check, not like good stories. Uh, yeah, um, uh, such a silly ending. I think Jon Snow such got such tortured artist syndrome, like. 
his heart, he's he's clearly talented of a sort. He's got talent like most artists, but just whenever something comes his way, he's like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then he ends up taking it reluctantly, like uh, becoming yeah. uh, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch um, and then going to battle and all and this stuff. And then becoming the King of the North as well. Yeah. Which, which, which was also reluctant as well. Dude, like, come on, like, learn to, you know, change is going to happen. Stop stop being such a teenager about <laughs> it. Like, come on, sometimes you're thrown into situations you don't want to be in. Just just yeah. own it, bro. Own it. Make, I mean, accept the responsibility. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that is some difficult responsibility. He does get stabbed by everyone under his command in the Night's Watch. Oh, spoiler, whoops, did it again. Comes um, back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's double spoiler. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I will say that's an interesting point in the books where it defers from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the TV show, sorry, the books so far. Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe if you don't know, perhaps one of our billions of audience members out there can correct me. But I think the books have ended where Jon Snow has just been stabbed to death by, the, or at least perceived to be stabbed to death by the night's watch has he been resurrected in the books do you remember yeah so so like in the book that came out when the series was running he then comes back to life so the way the books end is that ramsey sends a message to oh no 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 i think yeah he is dead he in in the books because what happens is that as i remember um daenerys targaryen was preparing to come to to westeros and she had the issue she had in Marine, and she also had a revolt and she had been saved by one of her dragons because they had tried to do a revolt in the arena. That's how her side of the story yeah. paused. The story concerning John was that he, um, Stannis had lost against Ramsay, Ramsay Bolton, because he was betrayed by the Starks, and he sends a message right. to to Jon Snow and Jon Snow basically reads the message out to everyone in the Night's Watch, which is for everybody, a big mistake. You shouldn't read a private message, which is a threat to everyone who's around you. So they can hear <laughs> and also be afraid. And it's, basically like, says, it's like when you show off someone's uh, WhatsApp messages to you yeah. during an argument. It's like a big no, no, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Go on. Sorry. And like tells him that, Oh, I want my wife back. Who is Sansa? This is this is where everything gets tricky because that girl isn't actually Sansa. It's one of her friends who's pretending to be Sansa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the person they send to save Sansa and bring her back is actually the king beyond the wall because they pretend uh, to yeah, kill him, and then yeah. they they be, they trade it for a rattle shirt and they burn rattle shirt instead. So they send him to save Sansa and they bring the fake Sansa to John and John's like. You're not Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister's changed so much. Well, I mean, her character arc is so big, you could argue she's changed so much. Yeah, that, so then, that's gaslighting. That's definitely gaslighting. <laughs> so then Ramsey, he reads the letter out. Ramsey's basically saying, um, I've killed Stannis. I hold the North. Send me back your send me back your sister, because he thinks it's actually Sansa. Send me back your sister. Swear fealty to me, basically, or I'm coming to kill you. He then says, no, I'm not. I'm going to reclaim the North for the Starks and I'm going to, and who's with me? He basically, people say, yes, yes, we're with you. He then goes to leave. And as he's preparing to leave to go uh, and yeah. fight Ramsey, he then gets stabbed in the back by for multiple people. 
before the watch. Yeah. And they say that just before they do it. Yeah. That's a really cool scene. Cause there's like a really young member of the watch, like this boy yeah. who's joined up and even he like stabs him as well. And it's quite like a emotional moment. You see that in a TV show as well, although not in the same way as you just described, but you do see that boy come and stab him. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, I've had some bad days at work at the office, but <laughs> I think Jon Snow's Lord Commander of the Night's Watch definitely takes the biscuit. Holy cow. Uh, there's just so many cool things in this show, like the Night's Watch basically being like a penal uh, guard force watching over a giant wall. Um, and they, they take this oath where they can't father any children. They cannot hold any lands. But they all their crimes are forgiven if they was it take the black and go serve at the wall, and just really cool sort of idea for that. And I wonder where George R. R. Martin got his inspiration for that it could, from. It could be partly from you know the French Foreign Legion. Oh, uh, was that a similar thing back in the day? Yeah, I believe so. It was similar because I think a lot of the people who went to fight for the French Foreign Legion were criminals, people who had committed crimes, but if they joined the French Foreign Legion and survived, it was extremely unlikely for yeah. them to survive, but if they did, then they would basically be absolved of the crimes that they'd committed. Ah, oh, right. That's interesting. I suppose, like, especially their motto is like, an uh, un- informal motto they have is march or die. So I guess is a pretty serious place to work, especially like the Night's Watch. You know, a lot of them must die. Yeah, and then we haven't even touched on, like, What's going on in Essos? This, wait, I've got a point right away. This big, like, continent behind yeah. me that looks a lot like Russia, surprisingly. Um, Daenerys, like, what a bloody character. What a great character that is. And again, what a character art. She has, starts off as a timid, somewhat abused sister of. What was it, Viserys Targaryen? Yeah. Yeah, just watching from the first episode again yesterday. Uh, it's horrible. Like, he, he he basically sexually abuses her. He assaults her, intimidates her, marries her off to what what is regarded as a savage, Cal Drogo, um, just so he can get on his phone. And, ah, oh, dude, there's some funny moments in, in that first episode. Um, like... Cal Drogo gives an that the sorry they're at the wedding between Cal Drogo and Daenerys and like some bloodshed between the Dothraki like one of them kills them and like Viserys turns around to his advisor and the advisor says a Dothraki wedding without at least four deaths is considered quite a dull affair and then <laughs> then when Daenerys gets like a wedding present from Cal Drogo of these lovely horses she turns around to Jorah Mormon's like, how do I say thank you in Dothraki? And Jorah Mormon's like, there is no word for thank you in Dothraki. <laughs> I like picked up on it so well, like really characterized these these people portrayed as savages um, really well. But uh, you know, as the story develops, you see Daenerys actually become part of them, learn a the language, actually be somewhat like accepted by them. Although there's there's some some Dothraki who don't really accept her, but uh, and she just owns it. She gets dragons. She she liberates people from slavery. But then by the end of the show, a TV show, because the books, once again, haven't got that far, uh, she has become the monster. She has yeah. become 
the that which Jon Snow knows he must destroy. And I've got to admit, the the final series was <clears throat> absolutely dog shit. But that was one thing I thought felt kind of right that Jon Snow had to kill her. Because again, based on what the, the the name of the TV sh- the books is, A Song of Fire Ice, I thought Jon Snow is the song of ice and she is the song of fire. And that's that's how they connect. And then that's the ultimate ending between them. Oh, well, you spoiled the first 50% of the show. I spoiled <laughs> the last 50%. Yeah, and even to what you're saying about Daenerys, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't see this coming. But then I was like, if you actually watch the show, you kind of see when she gets her mm-hmm. on solid and she then has to trade one of her dragons. She then realizes to herself, wait a second. I have the unsolid. I have dragons. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just take the unsolid, take my dragons and just leave? And I think that was the point that she realized that how much power she actually had because of her dragons and also because of yeah. her name. And then you also see it in Marine when she like executes um, a lot of the, the nobility who were against her, even those who were innocent, just because they had, which was also wrong what they did, crucified a lot of children pointing slave children oh, towards yeah. Marine. Yeah. So she took Nasty. her own way back. And even like, like, the fact that so Barristan Selmy was like, I don't really think you should do this. And like, even like Jura Mormont was like, no, no, I don't think you should do this either. But the fact that she still went on and still went through with it. And I think the last bit that you can see that she was changing was when she killed um, Sam's family, like his yeah. father and his, his brother. All, he, all she really needed to do was she could have just arrested them. But she's like, no, because they stood against me, they must die. And I think you started to see how she was changing and how she was changing to the character you then end up seeing at the end of the last season. But I think, I th- but I think the, the, the real issue is, I think, is that because a lot of the fans have read at least some of the books, they they like, oh, but the book Daenerys we don't think she would have been like that and mm-hmm. I think that's why they got a lot of pushback and I think a lot of the things <laughs> that was really sad was that a lot of people saying oh look at Daenerys she's a perfect power uh, embodiment of woman power the perfect embodiment of what a woman leader should be mm-hmm. and people have been saying that like since season three and saying that this show is women empowerment and then to then end on that basically says okay then this is what a woman leader does yeah i think certain Mm. people were like really upset like even like you you saw the memes of on online like oh i I just named my daughter daenerys (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i I see what you mean uh but to me i think it, it just shows that everyone has the possibility to be corrupted by power um in 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 real life and in this show you know daenerys was started out she was she was she was trodden upon she was betrayed she took power she freed people she was a really great force for like change you're know, like revolutionary in, in the yeah. game of thrones world but fortunately <clears throat> that i mean the tv show completely rushed it like they really should have fleshed out a bit more um but you you see what she does become um and I guess I haven't really read into a lot of the controversy like some of the you know social controversies that uh, me, you know, our media might have attached to the show because to us, I've just 
I'm such a big nerd. I just get so involved in the law and stuff that as soon as I hear pe- people talking shit about my show, I just I just walk out the room. Yeah, um, tune it out, yeah, yeah. But th- that could be a potential episode we could do. I mean, let's be clear. We're definitely going to do an episode about why the last series was terrible. We're yeah. definitely going to do an episode where we can delve into some more of the characters and the regions and houses. An episode where we can talk about the social issues as well, like within the show, but also what sort of drama was going on in the real world surrounding the show that would be really good yeah um, and then maybe like have one like the differences between the books we've probably met we've mentioned some of them right now yeah but the differences between the books and also with the the television series as well would be something interest to delve into yeah definitely i mean that would be a really big episode there'll be a lot to talk about there and you know even talk about the spin-off books as well i mean obviously we'll have to talk about um Fire and Blood, because that's what House of the Dragon is based off of. Um, but the the other one, what was it called? Uh, what was the one with Egg and... Duncan? Oh, yeah, the, sh- the short stories, yes, yeah. Yeah, that one's quite good, actually. That was surprisingly like entertaining and somewhat lighthearted. And my favourite saying in that is whenever Egg, the little boy, did something naughty, Duncan would be like, do that again and I'll clout you in the air. Like, just imagining a grown man smacking a small little boy in the ear like that. Find, well, it's quite darkly amusing for me. Hmm, I've got quite a, a evil soul, you could say. But yeah, it, oh man, we, we, could, we could go on and on for ages about this show. There's so much to talk about, so much deliciousness. And me and you are clearly massive nerds. Yes. We, <laughs> we, are, we are two maesters. We are two maesters, you know. A maester in a show is... A scholar and let's call ourselves scholars for now because i can uh, forgive myself for the amount of time i spent on my life on this show holy cow i think it's about time that we come to a slow and lovely end there and i just want to say a huge thank you to you joshua for you know taking me on board and being such a great host on this show uh, i want to thank Jeffrey as well from Drop the Mic for helping set this up and I really want to thank Sefi for being our our Lord of Spiders in the background communicating and getting things done if you, to our audience as well for listening, if you really want to hear the full episode, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon page the link will be sent out like down below as part of our show if you want to hear more from us the two maesters then make sure you subscribe to the channel or follow us on the podcast on whatever listening platform you're using if you like the video a like and a comment is always appreciated believe me and make sure you click the notification bell so you never miss an episode thank you for being a wonderful audience and remember winter's coming (laughs) definitely and spoilers many spoilers <laughs> I think we've gone through too many though <laughs> I think we've, I don't think there's any left so that's good got all done with